The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 16th. We are continuing our All-32 series here at CBS Sports, covering all 32 teams in the summer and the offseason heading into the upcoming season. As you can probably tell already, I am not Will Brinson. Will Brinson is on his first of what I assume will be three or four vacations per usual. Um, I'm also not John Breach. I know a lot of people get our voices confused. Uh, but we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars today, which means we cannot bring in John Breach, who cannot pronounce the team name. That's kind of a uh, prerequisite to talk about the Jags. I am Sean Wagner McGough. Uh, your favorite super friend, and I'm really excited to welcome Hayes Carline today to the show. Covers the Jaguars for 1010 AM, 92.5 FM, 1010XL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Hayes Carline um, on Twitter. Uh, he covers the Jaguars, as previously mentioned. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Sure thing. Thanks so much for having me. So I wanted to start by talking about the quarterback position um, in Jacksonville. And we're going to get into the Yannick, Yannick Ngagwe situation, maybe even the Jalen Ramsey situation that unfolded last year after the sure. break. But I really do think this is a really interesting situation at quarterback that is kind of being overlooked largely because the Jaguars are the Jaguars. And from a national perspective, they're never that interesting of a football team. But I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on Gardner Menchu is because, look, they brought in Nick Foles a year ago. That did not work out. Not the fool's fault in week one, certainly, when he gets hurt. And I don't think anyone expected Gardner Menchu to come in there and have any measure of success. And then you look at his numbers when the season's over. I thought he played pretty well, and I think he's flying under the radar as a potential long-term option in Jacksonville. So I guess my question for you is, do you think uh, Menchu has a sincere chance to be their new franchise quarterback, or is he more the sacrificial lamb in a tanking year, and they're going to go get a quarterback in next year's draft? Yeah, they're both great questions. Uh, no, they they feel like he legitimately might be their long-term answer. Uh, I I know that some of their moves this offseason would suggest uh, tanking in terms of the veterans that they've let go, but uh, but they don't view it that way. Uh, now, I don't particularly think they'll be very good, but I, I don't think it's a deliberate tank. I just think that you know they're launching uh, kind of a rebuild, and uh, while they expect to be competitive, you know I, I don't know how realistic that is. But it all starts with Gardner Minshew and. You know, I think, you know, you referenced the Chiefs opener last year where Foles gets hurt 11 snaps in and Minshew comes in and, and plays, I think he had 22 or 25 and uh, really uh, played much beyond what we were expecting after a fairly dreadful preseason. And I remember talking to Doug Marone after that game and uh, the Jaguars had a first year offensive coordinator, John D. Filippo. And, and I asked Doug, I said, what does that say about Flip that his starter goes down and he's able to get that kind of production out of Minshew. And Doug sort of stopped me and flipped it and said, no, no, no. What it says is how uh, rare Gardner Minshew's ability is to process a play, uh, uh, a game prep that was not designed for him. It was designed for Nick. But he said what was so impressive about Gardner, it's his ability on the fly 
to basically tell Flip, okay, this is, I'm comfortable here, I'm comfortable with this, I'm comfortable with that, uh, and really be able to give the offensive coordinator a clear indication of what he liked. And uh, he said considering the plan wasn't tailored for him, he was incredibly impressed by that. And then the cerebral nature uh, that Gardner Minshew possesses, I, I think is just carried through the rest of the regular season and continues really to, to dazzle the coaches. So I think it really just comes down to the athleticism with Gardner. And uh, what I mean by that is the, the arm strength, which I think at times can be called into question. Uh, you know, I don't think his size is that big of a deal, you know, in this day and age of, of football. And his escapability was a positive surprise. But there were times where he would make throws that just did not look like uh, quality starter strength throws. And uh, he's worked on that this offseason. So I think that will be the biggest key for him. Uh, his work ethic is outstanding. Uh, he's, a, he's got a gifted football mind. So all that gives him a chance. I think he is accurate and he can extend plays. So there's a lot to like about his game. I just think he's got to figure out a way to be a little bit more consistent in terms of the arm strength. And if that comes, then I think he, he does have a chance. The problem that he's going to run into is there's not a lot of help around him. Yeah, I actually think I'm higher on Gardner than a lot of the national media. And you mentioned the lack of arm strength. And I, I, I mean, I agree. I think that's a glaring thing that sticks out on tape with some of his throws. But I also feel like as a rookie, especially where he was drafted and how those players are expected to perform, he actually, in a way, understood his limitations. And I don't think you saw too many instances. Maybe in the second half of the year, he had a couple bad starts there down the stretch right before they went back to Nick Foles. But I felt like he understands his limitations and he understands he doesn't have that kind of that kind of arm that can squeeze, you know, those downfield passes into tight windows. And he behaves that way. And I think that's a really important thing to be able to understand your limitations uh, and be able to adjust for them and, and tailor your game to your strengths and not your weaknesses. But, I mean, you look at his final numbers, 60% of his passes, over 3,000 yards in a 14-game season, 21 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, and 91.2 passer rating. I, I guess the question for you, you just talked about how cerebral he is. Is there any concern that they went out and they hired Jay Gruden, who I think is a pretty good offensive mind and kind of gets a bad rap for what happened in Washington when most coaches aren't, aren't succeeding in Washington, I don't care who you are. Is there some concern, though, that in this nature of this offseason – in this shortened offseason where teams can't really meet, that's going to be difficult for him to adjust to a new offensive coordinator. It's certainly difficult uh, on the surface. I don't think it will affect Gardner neg- in a negative fashion because uh, he is so um, incredibly adaptable in terms of the offensive scheme. He even points out, you know, he had to learn five offenses in four years of college, and then he made a comment, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but it is. It's it's what happened to him. He had to learn five offenses in four years of college football. So um, so he is certainly used to that. Again, this is somebody that Nick Saban was going to bring on as a graduate assistant. Um, you know, before uh, Mike Leach talked Gardner into playing for Washington State for one more year. So you look at uh, you look at Gardner Minshew's ability uh, to to really understand concepts in the game of football, and and so I don't think it'll affect him in terms of picking up what Jay Gruden wants. The question that I have is how will it affect the other 10? Because you just can't, and not to say that, you know, not to say the other 10 can't do it, but I don't know that they're on the level, even the veterans, that Gardner is. And uh, and so while if you had to have a guy that's the leader and knows everything, obviously you want it to be the quarterback. But I think one of the concerns, at least early on, will be are the other 10 guys executing at a, at a consistent enough level for Gardner Minshew to have that success. 
Yeah, and I think what's going to be interesting is if if Menchu has a good se- Menchu can have a good season and you can show signs of development, and the Jazz Jags can still finish with the top five pick. I think both of those things they're not mutually exclusive. And the question is then going to become in Jacksonville, not to skip ahead of a full season, is do you go? Do you draft a quarterback uh, and you know make Menchu your backup, use him at trade bait? You know, we'll see. Or do you keep developing Menchu? And I think that's the question that they're going to have to the question the answer. Regardless of how the season goes, because I think even if Menchu plays well, I think they do have a fairly small ceiling. Uh, but I feel like seven wins would probably be a good season for them. Uh, you did mention the other 10 players on the offense, though. So let, let's talk about Leonard Fournette for a second, because, uh, like Gardner Menchu's success, I do think Fournette's season last year does kind of fly under the radar because of how much a mess the Jags were. And, and a lot of that does include Fournette. He improved his skills as a pass catcher. Do you think there's any way he comes back for 2021 or do you think the 2020 season is his last season in Jacksonville? I think it's his last season in Jacksonville and, uh, and, and Fournette is one of their better players, but I just think as they move forward, I think that they will, uh, you know, they will go ahead and let him test the market. But, you know, to your, to your, you know, comment, he certainly was uh, a yardage machine last year with uh, just under 1700 yards of offense. And the only problem with Leonard is he just doesn't score much. Now, not all of that is on Leonard's shoulders, uh, but to to receive you know 300 and you know 40 touches and to score three times is uh, is remarkable. And and again, some of that is the offensive line, some of that was scheme. You know, I understand all that, and and obviously a big part of that is he was the primary focus that the opponent was trying to stop. But that uh, but that's the the thing with Leonard is he just doesn't have enough of that explosive explosive ability. Uh, to find the end zone. He has done it as a rookie. He scored double digits. So it's not that he can't do it, but it was, uh, it was disappointing last year that, you know, for all the, uh, touches that he had, for all the yards he had, he only got into the end zone three times, uh, all rushing, uh, and one of the, the most amazing stats, uh, at least that I took away of from last season is the Jaguars as a team ran for three touchdowns. They gave up 23 rushing <laughs> touchdowns. So 23 to three. Uh, outdone on the ground in terms of finding pay dirt. So, I mean, the 76 catches Fournette had, I don't think that happens again because Chris Thompson's here now. So I would imagine uh, that Chris Thompson will cut into that. Uh, it was good to see that Leonard could do it. Um, but, you know, he didn't do that much with it. He averaged uh, about seven yards a, a catch and, um, and again, didn't score on 76 catches. I you know, I I think you're you're probably looking at a little bit of a of a decrease in yardage production, um, but his touchdowns should go up. Just I mean, because it's it's hard to imagine him scoring fewer than three. Let's take a quick break right now. We're going to come back. We'll talk about Unique Ngagwe, Talk about the Jaguars' defense, which I think actually has a chance to be sneaky good. We'll be back in a second. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H track all wheel drives, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, 
taking the entire family on an adventurous trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's talk about Unique Ngakwe. I thought there was going to be a trade all offseason. We thought it would happen during the draft. It never happened. How do you see this situation getting resolved? I still think he gets traded. I I think that once teams do open camp and, you know, I I think there is so much parity in the league this year, even more so than – in most years where we probably have 22 teams that believe they can win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and I think what you're going to see is one of those teams is going to get on the grass and after about a week, they're going to say to themselves, you know what? We don't, we do not have the edge presence we were hoping we would have, whether that's a veteran that's maybe lost a step, maybe that's an injury, maybe that's a, a young player that they were hoping would uh, step up and, and doesn't show signs of it. I think as we get, into the, you know, into August, if, if everything is on time, uh, I think you could see a deal happen at that point. You know, Dave Caldwell, for all of his flaws as a, as a general manager, being 39 games under 500, he has done a good job of getting maximum value for players and trades. I mean, he got a pick for Blaine Gabbard. He obviously got <laughs> a, a King's ransom for Jalen Ramsey. So, uh, so he does have a knack for knowing when to move a player. And so my guess is, uh, you know, it, Yannick Ngakwe will be traded. I think it's going to be awfully difficult uh, for Caldwell to bring Ngakwe back into the building when Ngakwe on Twitter is, is called the owner's son, Tony Khan, a clown. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the cons are still pretty new owners, and I think they're incredibly, uh, they're going to be incredibly sensitive to that. So I, I don't know that they're going to be willing to pay you know, on the franchise tag, $17.8 million to somebody who has been so blatantly disrespectful to Tony Khan. So uh, I think he's traded. I, and frankly, I, I would be shocked if he ever plays for the Jaguars again. Okay, then that's interesting because – so you don't see any way forward for these two – for this team and this player to coexist because, you know, when you look at the Jags roster, you know, you've got a 25-year-old pass rusher entering the prime of his career, 37 and a half sacks – uh, over the past four seasons, I know he's only had one double-digit sack season, uh, but constantly applying pressure. I think, you know, if you were to rank young edge rushers, it, you know, if you were to put them in the draft, he would probably be in the top five, top ten. And you look at the Jaguars team, what do they need? They need good young players at premium positions, which is what he is. So you don't see any way forward whatsoever for these two sides. I, I don't. I would be really surprised if if Ngakwe is, is back. And, again, the trade could happen – even sooner because of obviously the, um, you know, the deadline in terms of the franchise tag. So, uh, you know, it, the value will obviously go down for the Jaguars if, uh, you know, if Ngakwe hasn't signed the tag, he would have to sign it uh, and then get traded. And then if you're the team trading for him, now he's playing on the tag. Um, you know, you, you, you know, are past the deadline, I believe, it, to which you would be able to sign him to an extension. So there's a little bit of a crunch. So, uh, you know, I mentioned the timeline being, you know, sometime in training camp. In, in all actuality, it might be uh, before that franchise tag deadline because the team acquiring him probably would want to agree to a deal. So maybe he does get, you know, maybe it doesn't take uh, another general manager actually seeing his team 
practicing. Maybe it's a general manager that looks at the landscape and says, you know what, uh, this is a move we're going to make. This is a player we're going to give a contract to. So uh, we'll see. I, I think it'll be really interesting if uh, Jadavion Clowney gets signed uh, in the next week or so, and then Ngakwe becomes, you know, unquestionably the best edge rusher that would be, able, you know, available and, you know, to be acquired in a trade or, or a signing. What do you think the price tag would have to be for the Jags to be willing to move him? Do you think it has to be a first-round pick? Is it multiple first-round picks? They got two for Jalen Ramsey. I find it hard to believe a team will give up two for Ngakwe, uh, but you have to believe it's at least one, right? I think it's one, and, and again, I think if you're looking at, you know, I mentioned that there's probably 22 teams that think they can make the tournament and make a big run. Well, we know there's six to eight that truly feel like they can win the Lombardi Trophy this year. So, uh, you know, I think if you're one of those six to eight that you feel like, look, this is a player that, uh, you know, when we're going to have the lead way more than, than Jacksonville did with Ngakwe, and he's a closer. I mean, he's the kind of guy that when he gets to the quarterback, normally the ball gets off the quarterback. So if you're, you know, if, if you've got a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter and the opponent you know is going to be throwing it every down, Ngakwe is the kind of player that could be a superstar in the right environment. He just, the last couple of years, the Jaguars have been terrible, and he's rarely been able to, you know, pin his ears back and go after the quarterback knowing it's it's going to be a pass. So, uh, you know, I, I think it would be a one uh, somewhere probably in, you know, that when you look at the 2021 draft, probably 26 to 32. So let's assume Ngakwe is off the roster come week one. I, this this even still has some interesting young pieces. I love the Josh Allen pick um, from last year. That was one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. They got Caleb Von Chasod uh, in, in this year's draft in addition to C.J. Henderson, Joe Schobert, Miles Jack. I think you can look at this Jaguars defense and make an argument they could be a top half of the league team. I'm curious to hear, though, what your ceiling for this Jags defense is in 2020. Yeah, I think top half would be ambitious, but certainly uh, attainable if everything went right. Um, Josh Allen is looks like he's going to be a, a superstar, so I'm I totally agree with you there. Um, if Ngakwe is gone, uh, then I do wonder, uh, you know, to rely on uh, Chase on to to give you that as a rookie. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's asking a lot, but maybe it happens. You know, Taven Bryan is a guy that, you know, they, they still believe can be a late developer, the first rounder in 2018. So, uh, is he able to give them any sort of inside pressure? Uh, that would be huge. Rodney Gunter, the free agent addition from Arizona is somebody that they brought in to help replace Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody expects him to be Calais Campbell, but he's got to at least, you know, shrink the, the chasm that exists there now. Um, you know, Schobert and Miles Jack have the potential to be a nice uh, duo at linebacker. And then, you know, a corner, you look at it, and, you know, Trey Herndon played way above his head last year. Does that continue? Um, C.J. Henderson obviously has to be a star, you know, right away for that pick to uh, be justifiable at nine, or, you know, or at least be an above-average quality starter as a rookie. And, you know, and, and at safety, I think they're okay, not great. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, the other the other issue I think the Jaguars run into is, you know, they just don't their scheme. I they're and they are doing some you know tweaking and things like that, but they just have never really been able to fool many teams with uh, defensive coordinator Todd Wash, who's now been at the helm for you know several years. And you know, in 2017 when they were so dominant, they just had such an embarrassment of talent uh, that they just athletically overwhelmed people. And so I I do have concerns that you know just the you know, the scheme and, and how it's run 
will keep them from probably making that quantum leap forward. So I think this is a defense that, you know, probably you're still going to see ranked in the 20s and all the, the significant categories. Yeah, and, it, and look, if the Jaguars are going to outperform expectations, and Lord knows they have very low expectations heading into the season, that defense is going to have to be a lot better than expected. Right now, their win total is set at four and a half. Um, that's the lowest in all of football. I think most national uh you know, analysts would probably peg the Jaguars as a lock for a top five pick. It's the NFL. You never know what happens. Injuries can change everything across the entire league. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what your ceiling for this team is and what your floor is. I, I think ceiling would probably be six and 10, which is, you know, a lot of people are quick to point out a lot of the fans, uh, you know, well, they went six, they won six games last year and a lot of things went wrong. Well, a lot of things went right too. They, they were very healthy on the offensive line. Uh, the running back, you know, gained almost 1,700 yards of offense. Uh, DJ Chark uh, was a, a revelation in, in his second year in the league. Does that continue? You had a field goal kicker that only missed uh, one field goal and, and one extra point the whole year. Uh, it's you know, it seems like that's a lot to expect to happen again. So I would say six and ten is probably the best you could hope for. Um, and, you know, and again, Gardner Minshew is the key to all this. Uh, I I think. They could easily go three and thirteen. I mean, I, I think that you know if, if they don't get lucky in terms of playing opponents at the right time when maybe they do have a key injury, uh, if they themselves have some significant attrition, or if Gardner Minshew just doesn't take the step. I mean, now obviously he's going to be studied relentlessly by everybody that plays the Jaguars. So you know if the league counterpunches him and he can't respond to it. Then I think three and thirteen is certainly on the table. Uh, you know, perhaps worse, um, but I, I would put their range somewhere between three and six, with more of a. And I'd go under on the four and a half. We are going to wrap it up there, though. Thanks again to Hayes Carline for joining the Pick Six podcast today to discuss the Jaguars. Follow him on Twitter at Hayes Carline. Uh, Hayes, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.